All right, good morning. You know, that's not too bad of a welcome for a group of young men and women in their pajamas. I would have expected a lot less, so that's pretty good. Um, so thank you for having me. This is an unbelievable privilege to be with you here this morning. I'm, I'm so excited. Um, what I'm going to share, and I, I want to see that first slide up here if we can get it. What I'm going to share is something called, um, I wish I woulda. I wish I woulda. Five financial confessions of college graduates. I was in your shoes, it feels like yesterday. So I went to a sister college, a Christian school up in Michigan, um, a million years ago it seems like in some ways, but in some ways it seems like just yesterday. And since we're gonna talk about confessions, I have to give you one of my own this morning. I remember being in your shoes on a Monday morning having to go to chapel, and some of the speakers were great, some of them were all right, some of them I just chose to not listen to. And I remember one specific chapel, I chose to be completely disengaged. I pulled out my notebook, started practicing my signature. I thought that's going to be more useful than whatever this person has to say. So I chose to totally disengage. And the ironic thing is you look at my signature today, it's horrible. It's horrible. I've got the worst signature ever. So that hour I spent practicing my signature during chapel, did me no good. I was probably, probably would have been much better served listening to who that was speaking. So I would encourage you today, um, at the risk of sounding a little dramatic, the few things that I want to share with you today, I really think are life-changing. I, I really do. I think they're life-changing. If you'll take one or two of these things, I think you'll prevent yourself from saying at some point in the future, I wish I would have. Because every day in my work, I get the opportunity to speak with people who have just graduated, who are well into their adult years. Some of them are on the downside of their careers or into retirement. And I hear all the time, man, I wish I woulda this, right? So I will tell you this, if you can do these five things today, it's gonna make a huge difference later on because you guys have, you've got time. You've got the blessing of time. Right? Moms and dads don't have that. Grandmas and grandpas don't have that. You guys being 18 to 20-ish year old young men and women can make small adjustments in your life today and they will make a huge, huge impactful difference later on in life. So just little things that you can do today are going to make a huge difference later on. And so you won't get to this point and say, man, I wish I, I, wish I would have. Because I'm telling you, this sounds like an, an old guy thing to say, but it happens like this. I remember being in your shoes. I have no clue how I got here to be the age I am now. I, I don't know how it happened, right? It goes by so fast. So I would encourage you to do some of these things. It's going to make a huge difference, okay? So I'm going to just jump right in. Um, the first one, the first I wish I would have. I wish I would have remembered that it's all God's, right? It's not mine. So many times we think that what we have, right, regardless if it's our car, it's a little bit of money that we have, right? It's our house if we're able to purchase one. It's our job. You know, whatever we have, our time, our talent, our resources, it's all God's. And I've heard people say, man, I wish I would have known that. I wish I would have bought into that because it would make a huge difference in the direction that I go with decisions that have to be made. Because for some of you, 
For some of you, life's going to get real really fast here. Really quick, life is going to get real. There's some of you that are going to be graduating, I'm sure, this winter. There's probably a big number of you that this spring, graduation is going to come. Right? At that point, life becomes real. Okay? For some of you, freshmen, you got four years. Some of you, I think, are on the five-year plan or six. A couple people, I think, you're on the seven-year plan here, right? So you've got, you've got a few, right? Nobody's on a seven-year plan here. Um, so you've got a few years maybe. But if you're able, like I said, to take some of these things and put them in the back of your mind, it makes a huge difference later on. So remember, everything that we have, it's all God's. We're just simply managing it while we're here. In that short period of time we're here, we're doing the very best we can in managing what the Lord has given us. Did you know that in the Bible, there's over 2,300 verses that deal with money and possessions? 2,300 verses. And it's not by accident that there's that many verses there, right? There's some very spiritual reasons that those verses are there, some very practical reasons. And obviously, we can't get into all of those, but I want to touch on a few of them that I think are good foundational pieces Like if you're just building your financial house from scratch, these are the ones that you would use as your cornerstones, okay? 2,300 verses. Did you know Jesus actually said more about money than than he did about both heaven and hell combined, right? And you think about Jesus' ministry, him talking about, you know, laying out the plan of salvation. Here's how you get to heaven. But he actually said more about money than he did about heaven. So there's big big implications for why, that, why that's so. And we're going to dig into that a little bit. But the first verse I want to touch on, and I think this is huge. This is huge. Everything in the heavens and earth is yours, O Lord. This is your kingdom. We adore you as being in control of everything. It's all yours, Lord. It's all yours. So if you can look at your life through those lenses, knowing that it's all yours, Lord, it's going to make the decision of what to do with your money right from the start really simple. It's not mine. It's his. What do I do with it? And it sure makes the decision-making process a lot easier. So keep that, keep that in the back of your mind as you're deciding, what do I do with my money? And don't get caught saying, I wish I woulda remembered that it's all God's. Okay, number two. This is a huge one. Um, matter of fact, I'm having a conversation tomorrow with a young person who approached me this weekend and said, I need a plan. I've got income, I've got a job, but I have no money in the bank, I don't know how to save, I don't have any idea what what I'm doing, and I just need a plan. I made some purchases that I probably shouldn't have made, and it just is coming back to bite me right now. And there's so many of us that feel like you need to have it all right now, right? I've worked so hard. I've been here for four years, or some of you for seven years. I've put in seven hard years of work. Whatever it is, you put in a lot of time to get the degree that you're going to get. And sometimes you feel like you're entitled at that point to drive the car, to get the house, to get the furniture, to get whatever it is, right, to show that you've made it, or to have that life that you see seemingly other people have, parents maybe have. You're like, I got to have it all right away, right? And that's such a, such a lie. That's the way to get off probably to the worst start. And I love this saying by Dave Ramsey. I think it says it so well. One definition of maturity is learning to delay pleasure. 
Children do what feels good. Adults devise a plan and follow it. Right? Children do what feels good right now. I'm going to do it right now. Right? And you guys are at that point. Right? You cross over from being a child to, to an adult with real responsibilities. And if you can follow a plan, and everybody's plan is going to look a little bit different, but if you can follow your plan and be disciplined, it's going to make a huge difference later in life. Huge difference. Um, so I would encourage you, um, decide what your priorities are, what's really important in my life, and devise a plan and follow it. There's a great, uh, great scripture, Proverbs 16.3. It's not up on the screen, but I think this is incredible. Commit to the Lord whatever you do, and he will establish your plans. Commit to the Lord whatever you do, he will establish your plans. So avoid that trap of feeling like you got to have it all right now. Okay? I wish I would have not felt like I needed to have it all right away. Number three, and this is huge. So if you have tuned out up until this point, this is huge. And really, this is so basic, but life-changing. And there are so few people that I talk to, the hundreds of people I talk to every year, there's so few people that do this. And they don't, they, they, they suffer because of it. And it's so basic. And I bet some of you know what this is all about. How many of you just with a quick show of hands know 10, 10, 80? Yeah, good number of you. Okay, good. Do it. It makes a huge difference. Here's what it is. And again, I'm going to say life-changing here. If you don't know what kind of plan you should have, this is a good one. 10%, the first 10% of your income should be given away. The very first 10% that you have, you're giving it away. And I would say you're giving that away to the place where you're getting your spiritual uh, nourishment, right? A lot of times it's your church, right? Wherever that may be, though, you're giving that 10% away, free and clear. It's your way of saying, Lord, I trust that this is all yours, like you've told me, and I trust that you're going to be able to replenish this. But it's my way of just letting, letting it go, palms up, saying, here it is, take it, take it and go. And a lot of people would say, well, you can't build wealth if you're giving money away, right? And I will tell you, that's the only way that you can build wealth is by first, first giving and making that a priority, right? So give 10%. There's a great scripture, great scripture. My favorite scripture in, the, in, all, of, in all of scripture is Malachi 3.10, right? And you talk about life changing. This is it, this is it. Malachi 3.10 says, Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse, that there might be food in my house. And here's the four words that you won't find anywhere else in all of Scripture. It's completely unique, right? Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse, that there might be food in my house. Test me in this. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty. See if I won't throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing, you won't have room enough for it. That's pretty awesome. I mean, that, you can just talk about that all day long. But what the Lord is saying there through the prophet Malachi is, give me 10% of what's already mine, by the way. Give me 10%. And here's the Chris DeBacker translation. You give me 10% and I'm going to blow your doors off. You're not going to believe what I'm going to do in your life. Right? Give me 10%, just a little amount, and I am going to bless you in ways you can't even begin to understand. Okay? The next 10%, you're going to save for yourself. 
right? And we won't even get into specifically where you'd save that. But the next 10%, just put it away. Save it, okay? And then you build your life. Look how happy these people are. You can't really see it, but they are so happy because they built their budget off of 80. Aren't they so happy? Look at cute little boy. They built their life off of 80% of what they're earning, okay? It's amazing when you do it this way, how your 80% is going to spend better than your 100%, right? So if you're, if you're giving and then saving, it's amazing how everything else just kind of falls into that 80%. But there are so many people, the vast majority of people that I talk to who are adults, who make a fantastic income, who are smart enough to know this, they, they do it the other way. They try to do 80, 10, 10, right? They try to spend first, right? I got to go do this and I need this and I got to have this. And oh, by the way, this is old, so I got to get a new one of these. So I'm going to spend it first. And then at the end of the month, I'm going to try to save 10%. And then, then I'll try to give after that. Well, how, what a joke that is. How much is left at the end of the month? Nothing, right? So the reality is that people get to this point, they do this backwards, they wonder why they don't have savings, they wonder why their life is kind of a shambles, because they've messed this up. Foundationally, they're totally backwards. They're spending everything they have, never saving, never giving, never giving the Lord an opportunity to come into their life and bless them, right? So really, they flip this, and it's actually 100, 0, 0. And you live your life that way, you're never going to have enough for anything, right? You're always going to live paycheck to paycheck, and you're never going to have enough. If you go this way, you're going to have it. You're going to have it, you're going to have it all, right? You're giving to the Lord's work, allowing him to work in your life. You're going to have 10% saved, and you're going to build wealth and have all the other stuff that comes with it. So don't get to the point in your life when you're an old dude like me where you go, I wish I would have followed a plan. Do it now. Fourth one. Um, I wish I would have limited and eliminated my debt. I wish I was serious about debt. And I know some of you don't have a choice here right now. Student loans are a part of life, right? And so there's, there's some good debt, there's some bad debt, and we could have a conversation all about that. But the bottom line is if you can have, and I stole this unapologetically from Dave Ramsey also, I think this is an incredible analogy. If you do have debt, if that becomes a thing that's a part of your life, he says, and I think it's, I think it's so cool, you need to approach eliminating that debt with gazelle-like intensity, right? With gazelle-like intensity. And this picture says it all, right? This little gazelle is focused on one thing and one thing only, right? What's that? <laughs> it's getting away, getting away from that cheetah, right? If he gets distracted by anything else, he's, he's dinner tonight. It's over for him, right? So the only thing that matters in his life right now, and you can see it in the, his eyes. He's like, dude, I'm a beeline to get out of here. Nothing else matters. And that's how you have to approach debt. There are so many people who have debt and they just take it casually and assume that it's part of their life. And when you have debt, it robs you from the ability to 
really do, do something impactful with your income, right? You're just left paying off, paying off an old something that's in the past, right? So you want to you eliminate that as quickly as you can. And then if you can, limit it, limit it. So many people haven't limited their debt because they missed that first step, that 10, 10, 80. They decided to do it the other way, spend it all first, and now when an important purchase comes up, a car, a home, college for kids, college for yourself, they have to go into debt because they don't have any money saved. So if you do it right, you follow that plan, you're limiting the debt that you have, and you're making your life a lot easier. But if you do have, if you do have some debt, and it comes in the form of student debt, a couple quick takeaways. I would make sure you are talking to your financial aid rep here. You know, face what you've got. All right, this is, to me, in my mind, it's kind of like having a bad hair day. I haven't had a lot of those in the last few years, but I know some people have bad hair days. And the thing that a lot of people do when they have bad hair day is they just don't look in the mirror, right? You're like, if I don't look in the mirror, I don't take a picture of myself, I'm never going to see my bad hair. I won't even see it, like it doesn't exist. And that's what people do with their debt. They just push it away, kind of cover it up, keep it to the side, and pretend it doesn't exist and just hope it goes away, right? And it just doesn't go away. Right? It just stays there, and it's kind of like this, this weight that you've got shackled to your ankle that's always, always with you and keeps you from doing things that are, again, really impactful. Um, so make sure you face your debt. Make sure you know what you have. There's a great site um, that you can go to. Um, it's called the National Student Loan Data System, and it's just really... Uh, uh, kind of a data warehouse that will, if you open an account, put your information in there, it'll show you all the loans that you have. It'll show all the terms of loans, how much you owe, what the interest rate is, what the payment will be. So you can have a plan to eliminate that with that kind of gazelle-like intensity. You can get rid of it quick, okay? You can get rid of it quick and you can start building, building wealth. So again, that's the National Student Loan Data System. And then the other thing with debt, um, going back to that feeling like, I need to have it all. I got to have it all right now. There are some people who, I've heard a lot of college kids do this. I've worked so hard. Spring break is coming. I got to take a trip. I deserve it, man. I need to blow off some steam. I need to get out of here and pay for it through credit in some way, right? Get a loan, pay for it through credit. It's the worst thing in the world you could do. Worst financial mistake you could make. Debt should never extend uh, the life of your debt should never extend past the life of whatever it is that you're buying. So if a vacation is seven days, that you shouldn't have that paid, you should have paid off in seven days, right? Debt should never extend past the life of whatever it is that you're buying. Education's a little bit different. You know, you guys are investing in yourselves, you're investing in your life. So you can make a case for student loans being good debt, right? Because I'm investing in, in myself. But you get to that point, that's again where you're serious about trying to eliminate that. So there's a couple things about debt. I wish I would have limited and eliminated my debt. And then the last one, last one, and this is, I hear this, it's not an exaggeration to say every day. Every day. And you can't see this really well. I get that, but I'll try to walk you through it. Every day I hear somebody say, I wish I would have started saving sooner. I wish I would have started investing sooner. Every day, 
every day. You're always going to find a reason, even today, you're going to find a reason why you can't. There's so many can'ts. I can't do it because I'm a student. I don't make any money, right? I can't do it because I just got engaged and we're saving for the wedding. I can't do it because we just got married and, you know, we have to buy the furniture. I can't do it because I'm, we're having a child. I'm pregnant. We're having a baby. Got to save money for the baby. Got to buy the crib. I can't do it. My car just died. We got to buy a car. Can't do it because I got to. Can't do it. Can't do it. There's always a reason, right? Always a reason. And if you want to be like most people, you'll always have a reason to not save. If you want to be in the minority, start saving right away because you guys have the luxury of time again. Okay, and what this shows on the left-hand side, it's so hard to see these numbers. On the left-hand side, it shows Ben. Ben's on the left side. He invests $2,000 a year from the age he's 19. Okay, how many people are 19 here? Got a boatload of people, 19 years old. Find a way to scrape together $2,000 a year. Mow lawns, do a DoorDash, whatever you can do. Find $2,000 and save it every year for eight years, right? So with your own, your own hard work, over eight years, you're spending or you're putting away $16,000, right? And then you just stop. Now you're married, life starts, you're moving on with life, and you, don't, you just don't invest anymore, okay? That's one option. Then you got the guy on the right who at age 27, right when Ben stops investing, guy on the right, he's called Arthur for whatever reason, starts saving $2,000 because now he's, now he's rolling. He's got a job. So he methodically, like a lot of people, starts saving $2,000 a year for the next 38 years. Next 38 years. So he puts away $76,000 of his own money. They both start pulling money out at age 65 at retirement, right? And I forget what assumptions were used, the rates of return and things like that. But look at what happens here. If you can see the bottom number, the guy on the left who only invested $16,000 of his own money has almost $2.3 million, right? The guy on the right who started saving when he was 27 is at about a million and a half. And you would take either one, right? Either one's pretty good. But the moral of the story here is if you can start early, find a way to do it, when everybody else is doing stuff they probably shouldn't be doing with their money, if you can find a way to save, that guy on the right or that woman on the right can never catch up to you, right? You've got this, the eighth wonder of the world, right? Compound interest. Once you start putting money away and make your money work for you, there's no way that a person who's on level ground saving the same amount with the same returns can catch up to you right? You're letting your money work for you, but it takes discipline and it takes a plan and it takes that being a priority in your life to make that happen. And if you do it, you are going to be in the small minority of people, right? But you will never look back and say, man, I wish I would have saved sooner. I wish I would have saved sooner. Find a way to do it now and it's going to make a huge difference later in life. And the other part, when I think about just where you guys are in life right now, if you do these things, if you can flip to the next slide for me, um, if you can do these things, this is such an incredible gift, not just to you right now, because you're setting yourself up for a lot of success, 
But what an incredible gift to your future spouse and to your children one day to follow these things right now. You're setting them up for success. And guys, I'll tell you what, I've got four daughters. I've got four daughters, 25 to 16. And if a young man comes to me someday and says, I want to marry one of your daughters, the thing that will seal the deal is him saying, I've done some of these things and I'm going to take care of your daughter and make sure that this is, this is the way our life is going to go. It shows an incredible amount of responsibility um, and it's an incredible gift that you can give to your family, right? If you're leading your house, this is the way to do it, right? And women, that's not exclusive just to, to men. It's just an incredible way, incredible gift to bring to your to your new family. So I would encourage you to do that. So you can approach graduation, approach years after Central, one of two ways. The girl on the left, scared to death. I don't know what this is going to look like. Or you can be the one on the right who says, I got it. I know there's a little, you know, a little uncertainty, but I've got a plan. I know it's going to be okay. Okay, so it's one or the other. Proverbs 15.22 says, Plans fail for lack of counsel, but with many advisors, they succeed. Um, find somebody that's doing it right. That would be my other encouragement to you. Find somebody that is successful, that's doing it right, and find out what they're doing. Right? Take them out for coffee. Ask them to tell you their story. Find out what they're doing. Use them as, as an advisor and say, I want to be, I want to do what you're doing. Show me what you're doing right. Right? I think that's an incredible thing to be able to do. And then I want to close with this before Pastor Zach and I transition here. Um, John Wesley, right, the founder of the Methodist movement, I think said it really well. And we're talking about having an impact in today's society with your money. Hundreds of years ago, he said, earn all you can, save all you can, so you can give all you can, right? Earn all you can, work your butt off, earn everything you can, and save as much as you can, so one day you can give, give all you can. And there's no more satisfaction than you can get in life than doing that, right? Being able to help other people who aren't able to, but it's... Um, it takes you. It takes you being committed to do it. Do the things that other people aren't willing to do, and you're going to be successful. And I hope these kind of set you on the way to do that. All right. All right. Let's get into the, let's get into the real stuff now. That was, I'm just kidding. Um, Chris, thank you. Thank you so much for being with us. Mm -hmm. And I, I feel like, I feel like there are those things that you're like, oh, I pray they're listening. I pray they're listening. Like this is one of those moments where I'm like, man, if this room full of, of, of young people get this, the, what it could do, um, what it could do for them, what it could do for the world. Um, I guess, so as I was listening to you, of the, of the I wish I would'ves, mm -hmm. like of all of the I wish I would'ves, is there one for you that you're like, okay, if I was to rank them, this one for me is the, like, the most important of the I wish I would'ves? Yeah, that's a great question. The one that I found in my own life to be the most impactful was the 10-10-80. And it's so basic, but after doing it, I don't know how, I, 
I don't know how you can't do that. Because um, it's amazing how the Lord always somehow makes things work. It just works. And the feeling that you get from being able to give to the Lord's work is, is awesome. And to be able to save feels great. And there's always room at the end to make things work. And that's made a huge difference in my life. Made a huge difference. I appreciated in that saying you can't do 80-10-10. Like it won't work. It won't work. And, and those of us who have attempted it that way know that. That you can't say, okay, my intention is to save 10% and to give 10%, but I'm going to start by first living off the 80%. What tends to happen is you tend to dip into the 10 and then dip into the other 10. And so I appreciated saying yeah, it has yeah. to start with giving and it has to start then with saving and then, and then living off of it. Talk to me a little bit about um, why. Like the, the 10, 10, 80 thing, like I get it, but th that first 10 especially. Like yeah. talk a little bit more about that because I think that for some people, especially if you didn't grow up, in, in a place where Jesus, church, God, Bible, if that was all really part of the way you grew up, to hear that, hey, the best financial plan is to start by giving 10% away, there is this mentality of, look, I pick myself up from my bootstraps, whatever that means. I've never had bootstraps. Right. But like, I earned it. I've worked for it. Why in the, like, why? Why, why give 10% away? Yeah. Why? I, that's a great question. And it doesn't make sense, especially when you talk to a secular planner. They'll say the way you build wealth is by, you hold on to it, right? You hold on to it. But by going this route, it demonstrates our reliance on the Lord. It's saying, I, I know this doesn't make sense. The math shouldn't add up. It shouldn't work. But I'm going to give, give first because I, I think here's a, a bigger, maybe it's a more spiritual reason. Humans by nature, we're all selfish, and if you ever walk through, you walk past a kindergarten classroom or a preschool classroom or a, a, a church nursery, you find these little kids are always saying, it's mine, mine, mine. And they fight over whose it is. And they hold on, and this is our posture. We want to hold on tight to whatever that is, right? And if as Christians, as Jesus followers, if we really want to be like Jesus, he was the ultimate giver. Right, And this one little thing that we can do, if you again believe what Scripture says, that it's all the Lord's anyway, it's our way of saying, here it is. I'm going to let go of this, and it's, it's all yours, Lord. So it, I think it just demonstrates your reliance on the Lord and acknowledges that He's the one that is in control of it all. Yeah, I will say from personal, personal experience, and you might not know this um, in your work with churches, but... Um, Pastors aren't aren't like rich. I don't know if you know that. Um, I've heard that. That was a joke. <laughs> uh, and and I will tell you that for for our family, in practicing that, the number of times that in practicing that, that we've come to even the space of there's like too much month left at the end of the money, right? Kind uh -huh. of thing, right? Like that. Yeah. And it has been amazing the number of times that we've seen the Lord provide. Um, in faithfulness, because I think we were faithful first. Like, um, yeah, I have story after story of of saying, look, I don't, it feels irresponsible to give this 10% away, um, but even in doing that, um, the Lord's been faithful. 
Yeah, that's such a great, that's a great word. And it, it, it sometimes, again, to somebody that doesn't have a faith perspective, a biblical perspective in how they're managing their life, it, 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 it feels wrong. It feels almost reckless, right, to be able to do that. But some of the best blessings, and I would kind of amplify what you said, some of the best blessings in my life have come at a time when I've released that, which is really a pittance in the whole scheme of things, right? It's all the Lord's anyway. I'm, I'm giving a little bit. But, and it's amazing what I've seen come back in my life. And it's not just a, you know, dollar for dollar, the Lord's going to replace that. But there's, there's this, uh, all kinds of cool, unexpected blessings that come into your life when you just release that little bit. So I agree with you. I think those are some of the best, um, those are some of the best moments in life when you see that. And when you're, when you're aware of it too, when you're conscious of, I know the Lord's, you know, you, again, you don't give to receive blessing, but it's at, it happens. And I think when you see that come into your life, you're like, wow, Lord, thank you for that. And you can see it's a direct gift from, from him. So you're in a room full of mostly college students. Uh, Chris, give me your thoughts on credit cards. Yeah, don't do it. I know it because it's, it's, it's hard. I, I just, um, what did I just do? I was just somewhere buying something. And the, the only way they said, well, I was buying food at the airport. They only, had, only accepted credit cards, right? They were very clear. The only way you can buy food here is with a credit card. Um, so we've, got, we've, we've come along, you know, uh, there's so much digital stuff happening and credit cards are so easy to get. Um, and I know sometimes they're necessary, but if you can build a budget and build spending habits without having credit cards, oh my goodness, it's just going to eliminate just the, the temptation to live outside of that that 80% that you have set aside because it's so, you know, the credit card companies, um, who's the guy, um, just saw him before I came over here, the Capital One guy, Samuel L. Jackson, right? He makes having a Capital One card and Jennifer Garner, man, I love Jennifer Garner. She makes me want to have a Capital One card. They do a fantastic job of marketing to people and make it seem like this is the way to go, right? And again, I would say be like the minority and don't rely rely on credit cards. Um, is there, as we close up this time, I'd love to have you close by, I'd like to, would you be willing to pray a word over us as a campus? Just pray for us as we close. Um, but before that, if the, is there just anything final? Like, I just so appreciate you taking time and coming to be with us um, saying, yeah, I'll travel from Michigan um, to spend time in Kansas for a day and talk to college students. Like, I need you, like, he wasn't in the area. Like, I said, hey, Chris, would you come and do this? And he said, yeah, I will intentionally travel to McPherson for this morning, for this moment. So thank you for making uh, us a priority and for, um, for making these students a priority. We so appreciate that. But is there, like, a final like thing like is there like that one thing you desperately want this group of students to know yeah it's it's be different be different from everybody else and a lot of times you want to blend in with what everybody else is doing but if you want to be successful be different and be willing to do those things that most people aren't doing and i would tend to say in the financial world if you're doing things that most people aren't doing you're going to be successful I mean, we could have a big debate about some of those things that are good to do, but that's by and large it. Most people that I meet with are doing things wrong. 
right? So be willing to do some of those things that other people aren't willing to do, and um, you're going to see a lot of success later in life. Chris, thank you. You got Would it. you be willing to pray for us this morning? Amen, yes. All right, thank you. Hey, let's pray. Um, you guys are great. All right, let's pray. Lord, thank you for um, thank you for each student here. I am so grateful, Lord, that they came here on a Monday morning uh, during homecoming week when there's a million things happening. And, and I just pray that um, sometime during today or in the days to come, that some of your words here, Lord, some of the words that you shared with us through, through, your, uh, through your Holy Scripture, Lord, may come back and uh, just remind us that what we have, Lord, here is all temporary. And help us remember that we're living for you. And we want to do what's right with what you've given us and honor you with our, with our financial resources. So just help us always remember, Lord, that we are here for you and help us make the most of what we have uh, for your kingdom. And uh, just thank you for Pastor Zach and uh, just what Central Christian College means uh, to each of us here. And uh, just bless the faculty and staff as um, we all strive to live life like Jesus. And we give this time to you, Lord. In your name we pray. Amen.